0: Hi, this is Coach Cat at Lake Forest College, and you're listening to the Lake Forest Podcast.
1: Coach Cat, Coach Canton Zero, head coach of the Lake Forest College Foresters. You're also the assistant athletic director at Lake Forest College. You're going for your doctorate in philosophy, and you got a football team that is undefeated and killing it. Am I right on all counts?
0: Yeah, it's a pretty good life, and a pretty busy one, too.
1: So, Coach, you've been there, what, 16, 17 years, something like that?
0: Yeah, I got here in uh, February of 2006. Came here as the defensive coordinator uh, for Brent Becker, who's now the head coach at Stevenson High School. I've been here ever since, so it's been, uh, you know, grew into the head coaching position about three years after that, and um, have I've had, had a pretty uh, exciting run since I've been here.
1: We got to make sure we don't forget, you got homecoming this weekend, right?
0: We do Illinois college and about, uh, you know, 1500 to 2000 alumni will be back and it'll be uh, you know, it's a big game. I see has been a, we're about five and five against them over the last decade. They're a pretty talented defensive team. Um, they're, they're having some quarterback stuff they got to figure out, but it's, a, it's going to be a big game for us.
1: Now, what time is the game? And when is it? Uh, two,
0: two o'clock. So we'll be at two Saturday. o'clock kickoff. Yep.
1: Now, coach, I'm a Fairweather fan. Okay, I haven't been there yet. I've lived in Lake Forest four or five years. Uh, I went to the high school football games because my nephew played there, and now I I got a football scratch that I need to itch. And you guys are winning, so I'm fair weather. Uh, What are the ins and outs that I need to know about going to a football game, like? the parking how many people is there a good time to get there like is there food there what what do, <laughs> do i gotta bring stuff what do i
0: yeah i mean like any other college uh, football environment we got a great tailgating environment and i think that's one of the things you, you know a lot of people don't realize is that on any given saturday we have a football game there's going to be 500 people tailgating and you can get over here and there's there's parking for that now homecoming we've got a few different things there'll be some you know because the alumni stuff there'll be you know, uh, beer tents and stuff like that set up and things like that. So it'll be a little bit different than the normal Saturday. Um, but yeah, there's tailgating. You got to bring your own, you know, get over there and put the charcoal out and get it going. And, um, but when you get there, you're going to want to get there early. Yeah. Um, you're going to want to get probably in the stadium, probably, uh, you know, 20 minutes before the game starts. So you can see some of the pomp and circumstance that goes along with it. Um, we do have, you know, just like any place, you're going to have the dance team and the cheerleaders and all that kind of stuff out there in terms of the crowd size, you're going to be between, um, you know, 1700 and 2,500 most weeks. And and sometimes, you know, this week will be a little bit bigger than that. Um, it's a, it's a big energetic environment. I think you're going to have a kind of unique in that all of our fans are on one side of the field. So you get the home fans, the away fans, everybody's all there. And then, the end zone will be about three or four deep of people standing in the end zone because they can literally get right on top of the field and, and, and be there's no track around the field, there's none of that. So, I mean, you are, if you see the front row of the bleachers on our sideline you get to hear every coaching point that I make to our team as we go through the game. And you got to have a, if it's your son and you're a parent, I always tell everybody you got thick skin. If you're going to sit in the front row
1: (laughs) earmuffs, I hear you coach. You've had some pretty damn good players, man. One of them, uh, Jamari Tansmore, graduated. uh, He was up for a pretty prestigious award. We had him on the show last year. uh, Like one of the best D linemen uh, around. Is that true? Yeah,
0: and he's actually he actually followed our footsteps. He's in coaching now at North Carolina Central University. He's their uh, defensive GA, and um, he's actually they got a bye week this week, so he's coming back for homecoming. And uh, I may put him to work and give him a clipboard and, and take stats or something. So know, but he was up for the William Campbell Award, and we actually have a young man right now, Dante Esposito, who's up for it this year. Um, Dante was a uh, first-team All-American cornerback last year uh, with eight interceptions, and now he's up for that award this year. And that award is. Um, it goes across all all levels, Division One, Two, II, and Three, and um, it takes into consideration both their academic achievement, their athletic achievement, and then their commitment to their communities and, and whatever facet that may be, whether it's community service or mentorship, things like that. And so, um, you yeah, know, we've had uh, we've been kind of fortunate to have a couple of guys be recognized for that uh, through the years. But yeah, those, those talented players make me a lot better as a football coach, so that the recruiting recruiting matters.
1: Oh, I'm going to get to recruiting. But two years in a row to, to have somebody up for that award, I mean, do you have somebody up for that award every year or is it?
0: Not every year because it does take – you have to have a specific GPA and you have to have – you know, you have to have been at least all conference the year before if not higher. You know, I, I'm just looking forward to a day where we get somebody to, to win that award. I think we've got some young men and we maybe just don't have the uh, the marketing power that some of the yeah. other – you know, the Division One schools have to put behind them. But it to me, that award – it's so of what we do in Division three, where it celebrates the student, the athlete and the community piece, it's not just this guy's going to be a first round draft pick. I think that that's where, you know, the Heisman Trophy is really about the best, best, most valuable player yeah. um, in Division three. That's the Gallardi Award. And so for us to see somebody up for the Campbell Award every year and, and they get a big perk out of this. So at the end of the in the summer, the National Football Foundation, and the Campbell Foundation, bring these guys out to meet in California in the Silicon Valley with about 400 CEOs. And uh, so we've had some of our guys that were up for the ward in the past have been able to go there. And now they're actually being brought back as mentors for that because of how well they showed there were the division one athletes. And so there, there's a pretty big perk to this, even if they don't win uh, by being a semifinalist, they're able to go
1: to, go to that. Coach Kat, you, you mentioned recruiting and when we had Jamari on, he's, he's from Arizona. <laughs> And he told me a story about how, how when he first came up here, it was the polar vortex. <laughs> You're going to host some recruits when they come on. You know, what, what are you going to tell those recruits that you wish somebody would have told you, before, when, you when you came on?
2: Uh, so one thing I'll say and really for, and this was my Arizona guys, because usually that's who I get. Uh, whenever I'm hosting a recruit visits, that's who I get. I tell them, you know, and obviously you don't really have to tell them this because they, they're there during the visit. Uh, yeah. But definitely prepare yourself for a long winter. You know, you know, <laughs> it's prepare cold. yourself. It is cold up here. You know, uh, and like I said, I don't have to tell them that because during the the business are normally in January, in February, and March, stuff like that. So it's cold at that time. But uh, they're only getting you know a couple days of it. But I can't stress enough. You know, uh, definitely get your get your coat. Get your jackets, your boots, all that kind of stuff. If you have a car here, get all the necessary things you need. You know, scrapers, you know, windshield covers, all that kind of thing. You know, it's gonna, it's because the winters are long and they're very cold. Uh, Because my my first winter, you know, uh, was the polar vortex of twenty eighteen. So, and that, that, and me coming, like you said, me coming from Arizona, going straight to that. That was just, you know, like wow. That that was really a shell shock for me. And it's a oh funny story. God. A
1: funny. You ever see snow before?
2: Oh no, I have seen snow. It, it does oh, okay, snow okay, okay, okay. It does snow in Arizona in the high county, not 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 in the valley where I'm from, but in the higher elevation yeah. it does. Okay. But yeah, not, not, nothing like you know uh, the Midwest. And uh, okay, um, it's like a funny story about the polar vortices. So, you know, I walk yeah. outside and they obviously had those snow days to where they, they wouldn't have class. But uh, we still have to go to the calf and eat. So I had to still walk outside to go eat. So I'm putting on all these different layers and bundles and stuff like that of clothes and everything. And then uh, the only thing that wouldn't be covered was my nose. So, you know, while I'm walking to the cafe, you know, All the moisture in your nose being frozen over instantly, and then as soon as you walk inside, your nose gets clear. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) You got a a runny nose, yeah, yeah. And 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 and, but that was definitely a shock for me. But the silver lining in that is that you know that was still to date the worst winter I've ever experienced. And uh, even though you know it gets cold every year, uh, that was a record breaking, a record breaking winter. So it's not going to get, I don't believe it'll get that cold again. So uh, yeah, like this. This coming, you know, when it's going to be cold, but I've seen the worst, so and I'm I'm, and I'm prepared for it. So uh, that that'll definitely be the thing I tell recruits is prepare for a long winter, and uh, just 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 it's going to suck. but just embrace it because you can do that. That's yeah. what the Midwest is. So
1: em- embrace the suck. Yeah, it, yeah. I I'm from here, and yeah, that was a cold one, man. Even <laughs> I was cold. How and he still did- came, and he still and came. He, still- <laughs> he came. He kicked ass. How do you get the AZ, how did you, or maybe you don't want to tell me, I understand, but how do you get these AZ kids to come up to the Midwest, the upper Midwest?
0: Yeah, the secret's out on that one. I mean, we've got about 37 kids from Arizona on our team this year, and we've had, we've been trying to get to 40. The guys all want to get to 48, because I told them if we had 48 guys on the, on the team at one time, I would get a Arizona flag tattoo, and I've never had a tattoo. So they, they all want to help make that happen. The thing about the Arizona guys is, one, there's great football out there. You know, I, I love our Chicagoland football, but our, our they don't have the weather to do football things year-round. I think we probably make stronger kids in the Midwest, but they make faster kids out there and more maybe skill refined down there just because they can do it year-round. And Arizona has no rules in their high school association. So when you are a – if you finish your season on November 15th, you can literally practice with a football on November 16th for the next year with your whole team. So they just don't have rules. And um, what those kids from Arizona are used to is extreme weather. They're just ex- used to extreme hot in the summers and during their season. And so, you know, 120 degrees sprinting from air conditioning to air conditioning is really no different than 12 degrees sprinting from heat to heat. And so they come up here, they enjoy it. Um, and I think that they, you know, one of the other things is in Arizona, there's no Division Two and Division Three schools. So if a guy wants to play football, they've got to leave the state. And would you rather be in a Chicago suburb where you have access to internships or be in the middle of four cornfields and you know, southern Illinois where I went to school? So, I I mean, you get those types of situations where you can pitch some things at Lake Forest that other schools just can't provide.
1: Wait, southern Illinois? I I went to
0: Greenville. I went to Greenville, not SIU. I went to Greenville. That is definitely southern Illinois.
1: (laughs) All right. I went to VSIU, so I understand, I understand. Yep. Let's talk about the city, the relationship between the college and the city. Does the city get involved with you know, pr- promoting the homecoming? I think the Legion puts the flags up for the college and, and whatnot. But uh, the reason I bring up the relationship is because me and my partner, Scoo Walker, we're talking about the, the high school homecoming and there isn't a relationship between the city and, and the school, It's like a separation. I was wondering, what is there a separation with the college? I would think that they would want to get together and make more of a, you know, event. A more, it's a great event now, but I'm just saying even more involved.
0: Yeah, I, I don't think they get too, I don't think there's too much of a relationship there with that. Um, yeah, the side, we'll have the flags up in downtown Lake Forest, I think, this week, uh, you know, tomorrow anyway. Um, yeah. But I think that one of the things that's unique is, you know, our, if you look at our campus population, where the students come from, and then where they go after they graduate. Um, there will be some people in the town of Lake Forest that have pretty strong ties to the college, but there, it, it won't be the many. I mean, I, yeah. I couldn't have imagined going, you know, across the street to college from my house or, you know, a couple blocks down the street. So the, the local guys, the students, maybe there's not as many of them here, but I do think that the city and the college have a great relationship. We work together on different partnerships and things like that. I know that, you know, we've been involved with Croix in the past and some of the different organizations, um, and so, what you find is a lot of the nonprofits find each other, you know, in the colleges and yeah. nonprofits. So whether it's Elowah Farms or the North Chicago Community Partners or different things that are Lake Forest based, you're going to see our students and our faculty and coaches get involved. So I, I think there's a really good relationship that way, but I don't think it's a formal city college relationship for the homecoming, but. It, you wouldn't yeah. have any arguments for me getting more people involved.
1: Well, maybe you know, you got the high school on Friday and you got uh, the college on Saturday to get a little parade, you know, do it the same weekend. Maybe it's too much of a, a cluster, but uh, you know, get the parade going, get more things going. That's all we just, you know, something that we, we don't have anybody from the city listening or watching the show. Nobody. <laughs> I bet there's a few. I they, bet there's a few. They, they don't admit it. They don't admit it. Talk to me about I know you're Division Three for the. For the newbies out there and the parents that have a you know kid that's playing ball, and you have Division three, you have Juco, you have Division two. What's the difference in the levels? Is it attendance, number of scholarships? Uh, how does that work?
0: Yeah, it's it's number of scholarships to a point. It's uh you know Division one you know BCS football it's eighty five scholarships. Division two is going to be uh, thirty six scholarships. The 1AAs, uh, like Illinois State, they're going to have about 63. And then Division Three has no football, no sports scholarships. However, we're allowed to give unlimited financial aid for other things. And so, you know, Lake Forest College has a price tag of $64,000, $65,000 a year right now for tuition, room, and board. If they're an in-state student who qualifies for the Pell Grant, they're going to pay under $5,000 to go to school here. If they're a student from, you know, I've got guys they're paying anywhere from down to $10,000, just depending on their academic success in high school, their community involvement, their financial need, you know, demonstrated financial need. So I think what's funny is, you know, we did a a comparison with the Division II program one year just to show the difference. We were actually giving $1.1 million more in institutional aid to our players than they were. And so it's just a different level of where the money comes from um, and what it's for. And, uh, you know, for the Division III athlete, if you know let's say johnny comes here and he tears his acl his freshman year and never wants to play football again he doesn't lose any of that scholarship money if he goes to a division two or one AA, gets hurt he could lose all of that scholarship money um, depending on the institution so um there's kind of a safety net there that guards against those injuries and things like that at the division three level um, i would say there's some body type differences you know the left tackle that you know ohio state doesn't Look like our left tackle but our left tackles still six foot six 295 pounds but maybe a little bit di- different body composition than that guy um, but then my center is only six foot tall 250 pounds so there, there's some differences you know with those body types but it's still great football it's it's a higher level than high school football I'll, I'll definitely you know argue that point uh, but it's a you know there's going to be a lot more space for guys to play than there was maybe at that division one scholarship level.
1: So what are the road trips like, coach? Like you hop in the bus and you go, uh, any plane trips at all? Like what's... We,
0: we, could, we were supposed to have a, we were actually supposed to have a plane trip during COVID um, that COVID fall and that got canceled. We we're supposed to go down to San Antonio and play uh, Trinity, college, Trinity University in Texas. Um, but most of our games, because we have nine conference games in their Midwest region, um, you know, our, we had an overnight trip last week out to Iowa to play Cornell college. Um, you know, went out, practiced at Northern Illinois University's facilities on the way out, stayed at a hotel, fed the guys really, really well. And then, you know, kind of played a football game and came back. And that's, you know, that's kind of what we do. And so um, if it's a, a trip over three hours, we're going to go stay overnight. But, you know, I'm not going to not going to pull the guys out of class and stay overnight when we go play the University of Chicago 30 minutes away. So we're going to we, we get a little bit of a benefit that way.
1: Uh, University of Chicago is there a rivalry there? Keep in mind, I'm just get, I'm just getting I'm trying to be a fan, coach. So yeah, we're we uh, a- that
0: rivalry is growing. That uh, you know, they they joined our conference uh, five years ago, six years ago, and so they're obviously pretty close to us geographically. And I think that that is uh, it's it's starting to get a little bit of rivalry in there. You know, I think you've got three teams, um, maybe four at the top of our conference right now, with us, University of Chicago, and uh, Monmouth college and I think that you know anytime the top three teams in the conference play each other it's going to have that rivalry feel to say the least.
1: I want to talk about disruptors in, in sports w- one let's say you've been there 16 years so the internet was probably around 10 years when you when you got there uh, I think that was a great uh, disruptor because in the old days when I played you had what Tom Lemming and he had this little pamphlet yep staple pamphlet that you know if you made the pages in there you know you were good but then the internet came around and you're arizona right i i don't know but it it definitely helps you know there's only so many of those packets you can send out and and the parents just get overloaded you know with all the, the the materials that come in how has that been a disruptor number one and then number two it's not at your level but in football in in general the college kids can get money now, right? I don't oh, it's, at our lo-
0: it's at our level too. Don't worry. It's, it's yeah, available yeah. at our level too. I well,
1: mean, talk to me about those two. Start with the internet. How has that helped? Maybe it's yeah. too obvious, but then talk to me, pay to play money to play. Exor-
0: yeah. Play. So the internet definitely has exposed players from different geographic regions to schools they've never heard of. Um, you know, when I look at players, you know, you used to have the, when I came out of college, nineteen or high school, in 1996, you had the Peterson's Guide to Colleges that your college counselor's office, you'd flip through and they'd say, here's the seven schools that match your criteria. You go look them up. For kids in Arizona, they can do a lot more research and find out about us. Kids in Chicago can find out more about us. I remember my first year here in 2005 or six talking to a young man from Highland Park who thought we were a branch of CLC. And so I had to explain to him, we weren't a two-year college, we were a four-year school, and that's somebody who grew up, you know, 20 minutes from our campus his whole life. Um, So being able to provide things to them, I think the one that, um, you know, in recruiting for football in particular, the one that's really changed things is Twitter. Football is probably, you know, college football recruiting is probably what is literally keeping Twitter alive at this point, um, because it's being used so much. To transfer film, I mean, it used to be you know you had to print off DVDs or VHS tapes. Well, now your Huddle Link, you just send it out by email. You send it out, put it on your Twitter profile. Coaches can find you. They they slide into your DMs, and then they try to recruit you to their college. That's kind of one of those things that's really changed. It's expedited, but it's also flooded parents and athletes with too many options, Um, and options that maybe aren't even good fits. But they're they're showing an interest. So now because they're showing an interest, the the athlete or the parent has to feel like they give that person the time of day rather than saying no. And, uh, you know, I tell everybody I'll be told no 3,000 times in recruiting, but I'll be told yes by 45 kids. And that, that ratio is not really good from a business model, but it works in, in what we do. So the NIL stuff, this is this is really starting to take off at the Division One level for big money. So you're seeing people signing million-dollar contracts or, you know, John Robinson down in Texas getting, you know, the Porsche deal and all these other things. What's starting to happen is some of the Division Three schools are starting to use the NIL opportunities to, you know, make up where their academic and scholarships. Now, now Coach,
1: amount. hold on. What is NIL? Because remember, we got moms and dads, no yep. clue. So, it-
0: yep, NIL is name, image, and likeness. And uh, this basically comes out of the court case, um, the O'Bannon court case um, that went to the Supreme Court where the video games that were being made with college sports were making money off the images without using the names of the players and the jerseys and stuff like that. And so the fact that somebody could use, you know, your face and make money off of it and you not be compensated for it became a a court case issue. Um, The court favored and um, decided in favor of the uh, the student athletes. And so now the NCAA has had to take off all their restrictions that they used to say about amateur athletics. Um, And now it's no longer truly amateur athletics at the Division One level uh, because those guys can sign money just because they play football at Ohio State or somewhere else. And what you're starting to see in the Division Three level is certain schools in certain areas, particularly down south in Texas, where they've got maybe a little bit bigger booster situation. We're going to give this kid a car. We're going to give this kid this to entice him to come to our school and play rather than doing it the other way.
1: So Division 3 I'm sure what, a bunch of alums get together and they pull, they come up with a fund and say, all right, we want to offer. Yep.
0: They can absolutely do that now. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's 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 totally legal now. We have not ventured into that at Lake Forest College. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get a collective of you know, people in town that want to donate some money and make that happen for us. because They want to make a dominant Division three program. Um, but it is kind of the, that next step. You know, if the if the lantern wanted to have, you know, five of our players come there and sign autographs one day, they could pay them a thousand dollars each as a kind of a supplemental income to do so. I, I wouldn't recommend that. I don't think those re- those autographs would be worth that investment. But we're getting there.
1: Doesn't matter. It's only worth what somebody would be willing to pay. But that's a great idea. Maybe Joe Joe from Chiefs would uh, be there. You go all over that. There right? you go. Let, let's talk about mental health and, and and football. You got a great neuroscience program at at the college there, and I I own a mental health business. Specifically, I do brain scans, and uh, I've. I try to get people to do a baseline before the season, especially high school athletes, because in case something happens, you have a, an EEG, you wear a cap with sensors and something happens, you, ha- you, you have something to compare it to. The NFL is testing those new helmets. We saw what happened with Tua and, and, and all of that. How, at your level, how does mental health come into play? And do you have any ideas what's, what the future is going to look like? For mental health and like if a kid gets his bell rung how do we know to put him back in
0: yeah well let's start with the absolute failure that took place on tv with how they handled Tua that that was absolutely atrocious it was a huge step back um, in the way that concussions have been started to be handled um and I I can't imagine what was going through anybody's mind letting him continue to play so let's let's start there um, the, the second part is, and I'll, I'll give you full disclosure, I'm actually on the Sports Science Institute Committee for the NCAA. Um, it's a partnership between the NCAA and the Department of Defense. It's about a $50 million yearly concussion data task force uh, okay. because the same thing that's happening to athletes is happening to those young men that are in the military. Um, and so we are constantly involved. Um, we're probably at a higher level as a Division three school than most Division one schools on some of the things we're doing. Now, so every one of our players wears a helmet that has insight technology from Rydell, which is a five sensor um, helmet technology that takes every head impact exposure that they have. Um, so, and they can tell us where on their helmet it takes place. They can tell us the degree of intensity that it can take and the, uh, the number of G forces that are, are generated from it. Um, wow. So we have that in our each, every single one of our players helmets. Additionally, we're doing the same thing the NFL is doing where our guys are wearing guardian caps. If they play in the front seven, um, and practice every day. So I, I think that there are coaches that are doing a lot to take that next step. Um, and what that does, that data allows us to say, okay, what practice drills are there? Are we seeing the biggest head impact exposures? What are, um, you know, and, and coaches want data. So if we have data points, we can work towards it. You know, is it this one player is having all these head impacts? It's a technique issue. He's leading with his helmet. He's doing this. How can we fix that as coaches? Um, so I think that from the actual physical structural help that we're doing, you know, taking steps ahead of a lot of other people with that. I think that the other part that we have, we have an independent neurologist that meets with any of our guys that maybe do run into that situation. Um, so we have had that partnership with Illinois Bone and Joint. So Dr. Sabino, our neurologist is there. And then we are kind of secondary with um, Dr. Beth Pieroff is our, our secondary consultant. If we have something on kind of a Higher level, but any player who's returning from a concussion at this point in under eight days, or that bell rung, or whatever it might be, I mean that's just yeah. not acceptable anymore. We we yeah. found the same thing you saw that happened with Tua that second concussion within that shorter period of time is going to be significantly more severe than even the first one that they had, and I, I think that that's where the real problem for me with the the way that one was handled was that here you are five days later, you did not give the healing process that was necessary. And and I don't care what the player told you, you have to be independent of that player's feelings and say, yeah, that's not your back. That's your head. We've got to, we've got to take care of this because the brain, even if it was his back, your spine's connected to your brain. It's the same neurological part of the body. And there's a damage. There was something severe there that needed to be addressed.
1: Well, Coach, I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. After the show, we'll connect or you'll connect me with whoever. But uh, I'd, be, I'd be willing to do uh, the scans at, for everybody that comes into play each year. Scans at costs just so you have it in. the You know, I offered to the high school. I'm offering to you guys. So Appreciate at least have that. So, 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 something there. So hit, hit, hit me up on that anytime. Coach, what, what else can we do to help pop up the event?
0: Let's get you out to a game, man. Let's get right. you out of the game so you can do the scratch and sniff test. And I think that once you, you know, you walk through that tailgate lot and grab a brat or, or you know, something like that and you get that vibe, you know, we're okay. getting that perfect weather. We're getting the perfect weather for football right now. I mean, it's, it's going to be in the fifties, you know, you and I are bigger guys. We won't sweat yeah. out there like we were the last couple of games. That's, that's right. I, I think it'll British, be a right? lot of fun. I, I think that if you go there and you see it, it shows you the the jewel that this, the city has at the college that maybe a lot of people haven't had a chance. They know there's a college here. Um, you know, they drive down Sheridan Road. They see it on both sides, but they don't even know where our football field is sometimes because of how it's kind of tucked in off Illinois Road um, behind the original Hallis Hall. So I think that if they they get over here and they see a game and they start to think, oh, wait, I can, go have, I can go tailgate here instead of having to drive down to, you know, Evanston or up to Madison or something like that and still watch a game and do it a lot cheaper, they might find a little bit more interest in that.
1: Coach Cat, thank you so much for coming on the Lake Forest podcast. Appreciate you having me. Thank you. Lake Forest Podcast is supported by viewers and listeners just like you. Shark Guy Beach Fishing is the premier South Florida beach fishing experience out of Longbow Key, Florida. Their world-renowned captains not only put you on the fish, but to help you and your family make a memory of a lifetime, check them out on Facebook or at sharkguybeachfishing.com to schedule an outing. Shark Guy is your guy for your next charter. We'd also like to say we're thankful for our patron supporters, Reverend Luke Back from the Church of the Holy Spirit. Matt A., Elizabeth C., Coastal Lance, Otto, RDM, Johnny C. We'd like to thank the Breakfast Club of Lake Forest, Captain Mike's in Kenosha, Wisconsin, the Brat Stop in Kenosha, Wisconsin as well, the Frolic Lounge in Waukegan, Illinois, and then the Greentown Tavern in Waukegan.
2: We
1: are the Foresters. We will march on the field. We give our best intentions. We will fight for pride and give our lives for the Forester family. Fight, fight, win, victory, Woo!